The Nikabi Diary Season 1 Illustrated Book is now available in paperback. Own your copy now by clicking the link in the description box. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Season 2 of the Nakabi Diaries podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the stories of the women behind the veil. This season, we will be speaking to more Muslim women from all walks of life as we continue to discuss their deep and intimate reasons for wearing the niqab. The Niqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? I'm good, alhamdulillah. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, sister. Jazakallah khair for joining us today on the Niqabi Diaries. Sister, could you please introduce yourself for us? And tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah. Okay, well, I am Natasha Somalia. And yes, that is my birth name. Uh, No, I'm not Somalian. But I am a hair care specialist for 30 years. And most recently, I've been a health coach for a holistic health coach. Let me be clear. A holistic health coach for the past two years. So I am just the everything to the women in my community and friends and family I'm like a one-stop shop and so when it comes to hair health wellness self-care you name it if I don't know what it is that I'm talking about I can definitely uh, lead you into the right direction, inshallah. Inshallah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So, mashallah, you know, I'm glad you asked those questions about your name because I was thinking, is she Somalian? Is that why her name is Natasha Somalia? So, alhamdulillah, you've answered that. But can you give us some Islamic background of yourself? Like, how did you end up with this name? And, you know, what what is your background in general? Okay, so in general, I was um, raised as a Baptist, uh, in a Baptist religion, a Christianity and when I got older, I was going to sell one of my houses. And you clean up the house before you sell it, before they do the final walkthrough. And behind the radiator, I found a pamphlet. And the pamphlet had uh, Buddhism, Islam, uh, uh, Judaism. It had everything, a seven-day Adventist. And I was just reading through what they believed. It's like it's just a small little pamphlet and just mm-hmm. gave a brief detail. And then when it said Christianity, it said three gods. And I said, I don't believe that. And so, you know, I had friends, I had other family members that was Muslim. And I just was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. This is, you know, this is what I should have been doing. And I just took off like a, like a lightning strike, like boom, you know. So growing up in a, a Christian Baptist home, um, I've always dressed modest because I wasn't allowed to, you know, wear pants. I had to wear long skirts growing up. Um, so changing into an overgarment was not hard for me. So um, with that, I already had my salon because I've had my salon since I was 23 years old. Okay. But my clientele mostly came from the church because that's where everyone knew me that's how I built my business through the church so after I took my shahada and I started wearing my kimar the clients would come into the salon and said you're not touching my hair with that on your head and I was like it's just the cover you Mm -hmm. know I'm just covering my hair and they were just 
like, don't touch my hair. And I was wow. like, and, and these are, you know, I hate to say these are Christians. These are people. It's like, they just was angry at me, mm. but I continued doing, um, you know, still doing hair, but my clientele decreased because I went to one of the largest churches in the city of Philadelphia. And, you know, I'm the type of person that if I do the mom's hair, I'm doing the grandma's hair, I'm doing yeah. the niece hair, I do the entire family. So families left me. Mm. And during that time, you know, I was going to, I didn't let it get me down, you know, who came, who came, but my business did decrease. However, during this time, now I'm going to the new Shahada class. So I'm learning how to pray and I'm learning how to make wudu. And one of the steps, you know, when we go down into Sajud, the sister, her chemar flew up and I could see her hair was like matted. Oh. And I was like, why is her hair like that? And she was like, well, sister, you get married, you're going to make gusso, your hair is going to... And I said, oh, no, the sister's hair can't be like that. Yeah, basically. So what I them. started doing was I started taking my Sunday and making the Sunday for the sisters only. Mind you, these sisters did not know me. Okay, However, second, sister. I... Sorry, let me just cut you there. So what is okay. this? what's a Sunday? I'm sorry. Like taking your Sunday. What, what do you mean by that? I took the whole day of Sunday and didn't do oh, anyone right. else. Okay, because I said right then. Okay, good. Okay, carry on. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I didn't do any. I didn't service any other clients that day besides the Muslimas. Okay. I had the price really cheap, twenty dollars, mm-hmm. and everybody would come to the salon. I had bagels. I had um, um, croissants. I had strawberry chocolate milk for the kids. It was so many people that I even started having like peanut butter and jelly for lunch. If you were still there that long, I had Mm -hmm. it catered. They had pepper steak and rice and I had chicken Alfredo. I did this for months Mm. and so much that other sisters that did hair at the masjid, they was like, do you need help? You know, can I work for you? I said, Mm -hmm. sure, sure. I was in there so long that now, guess what? I didn't go to class. <laughs> I was in a salon after Fajr. SubhanAllah. After Fajr, all the way up to Maghrib. Oh my goodness. I was doing everyone's hair in the community. So soon after that, um, Alhamdulillah, I had gotten, I, I got married. And when I, so because I had, other people working in my salon so when I got married I changed my salon where I was in a private room so my other employees could work on the outside but then that was in like 2007 and we had like a recession Mm -hmm. so I closed my salon I went home I just was recently married so I had two children so guess what I did while I was home I developed my hair product how did it look and that just went on from there and here I am now um I still do have a few of those clients that did used to go to that church um I still talk to that same lady she's like you're still a Muslim oh my goodness because a lot of times in our society people think that it's a fad people think that oh it's a man and you know now you want to be a Muslim because you knew this man and this man told you that this was this, but it had nothing to do with the man. And for women that are 
come into Islam. However, Allah guides them. Alhamdulillah, I don't judge anyone how they come mm-hmm. to, course, you know, yeah. to to Islam. Mm-hmm. So um, this has been me. You know, I started. Uh, I took the name of Stylist to the Muslim Mat, uh, and I just have women that come from all over. When men, when they come from Saudi to visit Philadelphia, they come to the salon. They come from New York because they know that it's private. It's no men. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's it's the covers are you know the um I keep my covers my curtains closed um even some of the not African-American women but the Arab women when they come they um feel safe their husband might have found them this line yeah and they are able to come so it's a little language barrier but they love me just the same and um so I had to start all over again and starting all over again, it's it's been challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, when people see me on the news, they be like, "You just couldn't take it off for that the niqab." Wow. Um, you couldn't do this for that, and it's like, no. But Allah is so merciful that look now, no one asks me to lift my niqab in the bank anymore because now everybody has to wear a mask. Okay. Isn't that yeah. something? Yeah, Subhanallah, amazing, isn't it? like you must have your face covered now you must have your face covered yes and look at how it's always been a protection mm-hmm. it's all I, you know alhamdulillah law has protected me that you know in the last 15 years that i've been a muslima i haven't had any colds or anything else because alhamdulillah. we didn't even know now i do wear um, if i'm going to the market or i'm in close proximity with people i do wear the mask and still wear my niqab as well um, because this 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 pen this virus is is really you know we don't know you know we just don't know so um, I do wear the niqab and I wear a mask underneath especially in the markets and yeah, you know like if I have you to go out a lot of people yes and I'm close around a, a lot of people so um, I'm just grateful um, alhamdulillah excited to still be a Muslim I'm still learning I'm still growing and as far as the niqab goes. Uh, I did get married. No, my husband didn't tell me to wear it. I actually was wearing a niqab before I got married. Okay, alhamdulillah. I was wearing a niqab before I got married because in Philadelphia, there's a lot of Muslims. And while you're learning and you're 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 in class and you're listening to the kippahs, there you're learning of how you should carry yourself and how the men should behave and how the women should behave. And you know they were talking about one couple was talking about the times of fitna and fitna where the men don't lower their gaze anywhere and so there's an area where we go to go shopping for overgarments and everything in philadelphia and the men are always there and they're jumping out at you so like them sister wow. how you doing sister so like them wow. you married sister you know because it's almost yeah. like the statement of the niqab is you're married so when yeah. i didn't wear one they kept jumping in my face and I say hi nice day hi hi you know keep going you know you give this the letters I didn't want to be rude so I walked into the store one day like I said still you know still trying to learn about overgarments and everything else and I seen the niqab and I said this may be why they wear this once I put that niqab on and I walked down the street the brother said I said well, come, sister that's Mashallah. it that's it yeah khalas yeah. I said 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 I said
um, for that. And um, I'm grateful. Sister, sorry, could we could we just mm-hmm. just pause there as well? Because like, okay, you know, mashallah, you've given us so much information. But I really, I know, I'm sorry. I, I really got to go back to this um this radiator, okay? <laughs> because mm-hmm. Subhanallah, like you basically you became a Muslim from a pamphlet. Mm-hmm that you mm-hmm. found down behind the radiator when you was getting ready to move house. Is that correct? Yes. SubhanAllah. So literally, what happened after that? Like, did you just go into the masjid? Oh, okay. Okay. So let me go back. So there was a young man who mm-hmm. I had met in high school when I was 15 years old. Yeah. And he had been incarcerated when he was 21 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, through his time of being, because he had life a life sentence. And through his time of being incarcerated, you know, he would say, I need you to learn about this Islam. He was already Muslim before he went away. And he was still saying, I need you to learn about this Islam. And I said, okay. So he sent me, told me the book to go get. And he would call me and send me pamphlets and I'd do the work. And I was just like, okay, you know, answering the questions. He would just ask me different things. I knew I couldn't get married because he had life and I was, my, my father would not allow me to do that mm-hmm. so um we would study and everything else and I said one day to him I said I don't think I want to do this anymore I said I think I want to go back to church mm-hmm. he said what and I said yeah I grew up in church so you know it was different at church you know there's music there's this there's so yeah. much and this is like boring so I want to say at that age so how old was you my I might have been 24. Okay, okay. I want to say I was about 24 Mm -hmm. at that time. So when I went to sell my house, I was about 31. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was about 31 when I went to sell my home. And I when I seen that pamphlet, I called his mother. And I said, I have something to tell you. He says, well, I have something to tell you too. So now this time, he's still incarcerated all these years. He's in mm-hmm. Kentucky. He says, you're going to have to fly there. I said, what do you want to tell me? He said, tell me what you want to tell me. I didn't tell him anything. I said, you got to tell me what you want to tell me first. So we went back and forth. So to make a long story short, I went to visit him in Kentucky. I got on the plane because this has been someone that I've known for years. And I got on the plane and I got to Kentucky. And, and when someone is incarcerated, you have like three days to visit, separate days. Not you don't stay there. You go back and forth three days. So I went on a Friday and he came out to visit and he bought the Quran and he wanted to tell me about Islam. I didn't say anything. I said, what do you want to tell me? He didn't want to tell me what he wanted to tell me. By the third day to speed it up, I went with an overgarment and a Kimar that I wrapped so crazy that Kimar, I didn't know what I was doing. The lady in the store tried to show me how to pin it. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, you look nice. Alhamdulillah. But guess what? He didn't stop at the desk to get the Quran. I says, why you didn't get the Quran? He says, you know, mashallah, law makes Muslims. You know, may Allah guide you. So now it's like 20 minutes before the visit is over. So I've been there now two and a half days. And we still haven't told each other what we had to tell each other. Right. So he says, tell me, girl, I'm the man. You tell me. <laughs> I said, I want to take my Shahada. And he started to cry. He said, oh, mashallah. So he called some of the brothers over. So the brother gave me the Shahada. And you won't believe what he had to tell me. He said, I don't have life. 
I have a date to come home. Really? Yes. And he wow. says, you know, you're my wife. All I wanted to do was you to be Muslim. Blah, 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 blah. Wow. <laughs> so alhamdulillah. <laughs> it, it, alhamdulillah, it was, it was beautiful. Um, so I, it, it's something, you know, my high school sweetheart was Allah my, Allah my he, that's amazing. He, yes. He was my first husband. Um, however, the more I started to study mm-hmm. and learn and he did nothing, he did nothing wrong because he still, he, he had, so that was in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, he still had, no, 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 no. It's 2021. I'm getting my time mixed up. He I'm still had six with numbers years. as well. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. He still had six years to go. Mm-hmm. He still had six years to go at that time. So I don't know, it was 2000 and something, but he still had six years to go. And Brother Dawood Adib, he did a kuppah. He said, your Lord is not oppressive to anyone. So why do we oppress ourselves? And I listened back then we used to, they used to take all the kuppahs and I listened and I listened and I wrote notes and I kept going back and I kept going back. And you see all the brothers at the masjid and you see all the sisters, the the co-wives and babies and the children. And I told the brother, even though he can afford me by rights of money, Mm. I'm still a young, you know, a young woman. And I thought that it would be best for me to seek marriage. And, you know, that was it. So I asked for Kula. Alhamdulillah, he didn't, you know, have a problem. And um, Alhamdulillah, mashallah, I did get remarried and had my children and, you know, went on from there. Um, Unfortunately, with me working and it's 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 something because my business of being a hairdresser is just my passion. And I married into polygyny and um, I was the third wife. And things wow. were fine. Things were fine for mm-hmm. me anyway. You yeah, know, you yeah. Oh, well, a couple of days. Because you're a busy you woman. Come. It's easier. Exactly. Yeah. But the type of brother that my ex-husband is, when he needs you, he needs you. And with me, it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have a client, I can't just stop because this is a, this is a bit a built business. This yeah. is not something that I'm just starting to do. So, you know, mashallah, you know, we um, we parted ways, but we still uh, co-parent our children. Mm-hmm. And um, on sit-downs and everything else, it's like, that's the first thing. Do you have a problem with my business? If you have a problem, it's, it's a female, it's a all-female business. I don't work in a salon every day. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I was married and my husband asked me, you know, if it's a, a lecture at the masjid and he says, Somalia, I need you to be at the masjid by four o'clock. Okay. The last person I took was at 12 because I got to be at the masjid. That's not the problem. Yeah. But sometimes what women don't understand is that, but when he needs you, mm-hmm. he really needs you. Yeah. So I would have to, you know, inshallah, one day I can find someone who's compatible, who's just as busy as me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and he's just like, oh, Somalia, she's just in that salon or whatever. But, um, mashallah, I'm, I'm patient, you know, for that. So I've learned a lot of lessons. I learned a lot of lessons. 
and um it's just that it's just so beautiful Allah is just so merciful for each and every one to have their own experiences you know through life so a lot of times being a hairstylist um women come into the salon and it's private and alhamdulillah for that they share and they share a lot and one thing that I'm glad that I'm able to do is tell them read your Quran you'll find the answers cry out to Allah you'll find the answers sometimes sisters start to tell me stuff I say stop (laughs) don't tell me anymore Mm. I want you to go home I want you to pray I want you to cry out to Allah because Allah Somalia is not going to be able to help you Allah is going to be able to help you and women sometimes they come to the salon and they may have a kimar on but they say I don't I don't I took my shahada but it was a long time ago so alhamdulillah I, I give dawah so much dawah because they want to know how do they come back after mm-hmm. you know maybe they've strayed away or whatever or they have questions about the niqab or they have questions about you know the brother is away and he wants me to do this I said I can only tell you my own experience Mm. you have to you know do what it is you have rights you know the brother has rights and you know it's it's frowned upon to be you know it's, it's one thing if you're married and your husband has to go away for whatever reason but to do it that way you want to be able to get your rights so I want you to think about what you're doing and um alhamdulillah you know when the women come back they they let me know and it's just like a safe you know what I mean alhamdulillah a safe place um for women to be able to talk because sometimes it's not about the hair it could be really about what someone is going through and not just with Islam with with their weight um Mm, with so many uh, things yeah so many things depression Mm -hmm. um the children you name it you name it so with that I have to keep myself strong and myself grounded so when people say oh Somalia you don't sleep I'm up and I read it's in uh Termini oh Lord I ask for your mercy I'm not sure which what's what's the num what's the number it is, but it's in Termini, and I think that the book I think it's in the book six of Termini. Mm-hmm. That book of mine is so uh, worn, you know, but it, it to me it's always covered every base that I needed it to cover, um, you know. And when I asked, you know, a lot, and I said, that's what we have to do more of, and get back to the basics and you know, be mindful of what we're saying and and the type of energy that we are putting out in the social media. You know what I mean? We have to yeah, be mindful of what we what what we say because so many people are watching us. Of course. Yeah. They are watching. They are watching me. When someone calls and they're like Oh my gosh, it's you. I said, I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, they definitely. just get so excited. So you know what that means for me? Somebody is watching. They're watching every word that I say. It's like a little, it's like a microscope. So um, I'm very mindful of, of that as well, but still truly grateful um, 
to be a Muslima and um you know I, I don't know. Allah is just merciful. It's, Alhamdulillah. 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 So sister, how did your family take you becoming Muslim and your transition to wear the niqab as well? Like how, how did that all go? Okay, so um my grandmother her thing was when I told her that I believed in Jesus, she said, as long as you believe in something, <laughs> you know, that's what my grandmother said. She said, passed on now. Mm-hmm. Um, my stepfather, when I told him about me being the third wife, uh, I explained to him about the bills. He says, well, you grown, at least you don't have to ask me for any more money. Wow. Um, <laughs> at one time, at one time, my stepfather was a Muslim. And my mom used to wear a niqab, but she was just wearing it because my dad told her to wear it. Okay. So, so was she learned... still Christian? Yeah, she's still Christian. Um, I, I, they... know, I heard that before from another sister. She mentioned that she knew a sister who was like kind of forced into wearing the niqab and she wasn't Muslim. Her husband was Muslim, but she was a Christian, but he, he made her wear no, it. No, no, no. They were both Muslim at the time. So oh, my, right. parents, okay. my parents both apostated back to Christianity. Oh, so when she, so when they were Muslim, she used to wear a niqab mm-hmm. and she didn't know why she was wearing it. They, they never really studied that much about mm-hmm. it. But like I said, I was raised so in, in a, a, yes, I mean, she watches me and everything else. She tries to, you know, she thinks she, she learns a little bit now because my father has passed on, but um, I take care of her. So, you know, I am, uh, what do you call it about her space? I am um, considerate of her space you know, with certain things, you know, you don't blast no church music. I don't blast the mm-hmm. Quran. You know what I mean? We have, yeah, yeah. I have my home, alhamdulillah, I've been blessed with a, a large enough home that we're in separate parts of the house. But um, she says, I don't cook no, I don't bring no pork in here. <laughs> I'm doing but it's, you know, you know, my mom is older and I take care of her. So mashallah. But um, so it was pretty, it was, it was pretty fine. I'm an only child. Um, so there was, you know, and I was grown, I wasn't young. Mm. So, you know, they pretty much let me make, you know, my own decisions. And I don't come from a large family. So it wasn't, you know what I mean? It really wasn't, I just had like grandma and grandpa. I didn't have, I don't have a lot of cousins and stuff like that. So nobody was able to say anything. It pretty much was my clients because my clients is like my family. They're like my aunties and stuff like, you know I what I mean? I've adopted them so um pretty much we are very close-knit and even so them it's just like okay this is what you do I had one client come in one time and she would always wear this shirt with a picture of Jesus on on it with the crown on his head Mm -hmm. and she said to me you know, Natasha, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. <laughs> Miss Vanessa, I love Jesus too. And hmm. she says, can you tell me something? Hmm. Why those men wear those beards like that? I said, because she's older. I do have an older clientele. Yeah. I said, Miss Vanessa, I don't want to disrespect you in any way. But look at what's on your shirt. Yeah. Does he have a beard? Mm-hmm. And and when I talk about different things, if, if they ask, I don't just put it out there but if they ask I say you know we have the Catholic women they cover their hair 
Exactly. We have the Catholic women and you don't see them in the red dress. You don't see them in a green dress. You don't see them in a purple dress. A lot of people, you went to Catholic school and you seen a nun in blue and black with her head covered mm-hmm. and it never was a problem. Exactly. We, we look at the Amish women. They wear flower, like an apron mm-hmm. with a little dress. It comes past their knees. And they wear a net over their head. And they wear their hair in two French twisty braids. You've never seen an Amish woman with her hair down, hanging down. Of course. They they all wear the same style. Mm -hmm. They all wear the same. All the the mothers, the daughters, the sisters, they all wear the same dress. Yeah, uniform. So why, when it comes to the Muslima, is there a problem? If we look at the old Western pictures, the women had a hat on their head. They had gloves on their hand. They had long skirts down to their feet. Yeah. So why? Why do we do we get this? So I always say it's education. Mm-hmm. The times before COVID, if I'm in the hospital and I get on the elevator and someone asks me and they say, oh, I'm sorry to bother you. I'm like, no, you're not bothering me because I, I need you to know this. I need you to learn this. Mm-hmm. And everybody, when I talk to them and share with them, they said, oh, my goodness. So I talked to them and I said, I'm not oppressed. I have a whole business. Mm-hmm. You see this? This is, this is me. This is my mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. And I talk about Khadijah, Ready Lahu Anhu. The prophet, Salahi Walehi Wasallam, he worked for her in her own business. So, yes, ma'am, we can work. It's a female business. And if I have to do business with a man, you know, it's it's business. It's a business transaction. It's yeah. one, two, three, and you're done. So, you know, they're like, oh, they get so amazed. So amazed. So, alhamdulillah, for me being able to show, and one more instance that happened. I have a client. Mm-hmm. Her husband is a reverend. Oh, wow. Okay. He's always been in the church. Mm-hmm. Her daughter stopped talking to her and moved out. She didn't know what was going on. Alhamdulillah, her husband, her daughter took her shahada. And she says, mommy, this is me. She's 26 years old. So, of course, what did the mom do? Natasha, my baby, I don't understand. See, she's fine with her hairdresser being a Muslim. Yeah, but when it's... But now my daughter, Mm -hmm. what is going on? And she's having a baby and I don't know this. I said, she's still your daughter. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah. She still loves God. Alhamdulillah. It's just that we do things differently. And if that's what she feels comfortable with, you have to still you still love her. It's so, so hard and so hard. But alhamdulillah, the baby is here now. And she's, she's a little bit, she's better. But it's almost as like, it's always like a shock. Like mm-hmm. you grew up like this. How dare you? How you but change that's up. What, yeah. That's what you told us that we had to do. Yeah. You didn't, didn't do we, it. You didn't, <laughs> Basically. You didn't let us hunt. You said that we had to do this. Okay. So now I'm grown. And this is, you know, what it is that, you know, I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, when you look at certain things, we don't do this and we don't do that. You know, we're grateful for everything. And I explained to them about um, Sedeca. And I say, you know, when we give something, we don't seek to be known that we gave it. Because if someone, if you leave a package on someone's step, they're only going to thank Allah. They're only yeah, going to thank Allah for whoever. They're not going to just thank 
such and such and such and such. So we do. And she's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, because they don't know. They don't know. So, you know, inshallah, we can keep on, you know, being able to be an example, a servant of Allah first. And um, people are able to see how we deal with situations and challenges and um, tests and trials that come, you know, come through, you know, Amen. through our lives. So sister, can I, on that note, so like you mentioned that about this um, client that is, you know, a Christian. Do you, mm-hmm. Have you had any returning clients? Because obviously you were serving the Christian community, you know. A lot oh, of yeah, I have a few. Okay. I have a few. Um, I still have a few of the old ones came back. Okay, But I have a few, alhamdulillah. Um, and now, you know, my salon is not the only salon in um, Philadelphia that's a Muslim, Muslim salon. There's about 15, there's about 15 of them now. Wow. Um, wow. More than it was. Oh, that was the year that it was. I remembered it was mm-hmm. 2006. It was 2006 when I started doing the sister's hair. So, um, and when I took my Shahada, so it was 2006. So, um, yeah, so that's when I got married and that's when I took my Shahada in 2006. So, um, so I've been wearing the niqab. Was she the first salon that, you know, for Muslim women in the area? Um, no, actually there was another sister, but mine was the first one to just really just be all closed off for the sisters. Okay. Um, so that was in, in 2006. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I'm asking because like I mean I live in the UK and I don't know what your area in Philadelphia is like generally, but I mean mm-hmm. here even when there are um sisters only salons and they are quite secluded, they don't really cater for the African community or you know, people with African hair, you know, to Oh hair and yeah, we have you know plenty I mean? of them. We have plenty of them here. Love, However, um, you know, everybody runs their salon different I'm more private and I I don't have tv I don't have Mm -hmm. music you know it's just me and the client I do your hair you know and I'm very very private uh, and I I I stand on what the law commands us to do I do co-wives hair and I've never if they knew that both of them came to get their hair done from me it's probably because the husband might have said something Mm. But I don't say, oh, you know, I think your co-wife had. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. No, yeah. no, they would never know. So this is, it's a, I have a, 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 I can never find words to say. I'm getting so old. It's never any, I don't have any, never conspiracies or anything. Confidentiality um, or very, you know. Yes, you, I have you know. very confidential. You come to my salon. Yeah. I don't service everyone. If someone calls me rowdy, sound like, um, um, I just want to know if, um, yeah, yeah I'm, you know, I'm that mindful. happens often I find like people sometimes they come like because I, I work as a hijama therapist and I've noticed that this is something that happens with me and you know I don't like I don't talk about anybody's right you know, treatments with anybody else even if it is their own family members so that right, person, I, say, right. I say to them that if you're you know if they ask me oh what did my sister or whoever I say well you ask them you talk to them about it like you don't need to ask mm-hmm. me Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't. I don't know. Don't, don't because don't. even in, even in family, sometimes people do want to keep obviously things private from other family members. And mm-hmm. why should you be the one to go and offer information? That's like it's exactly not right, and it's not Islamic as well. To be honest, it's really not. It's exactly. So I I stay clear from that. 
um, I've had a young lady, and this is how serious it is when women, you know, if it, if it's one person and then someone else comes in, you know, I can have another person sit and wait. And this was pre-COVID years ago. A young lady was sitting in my chair and she's seen another, because I don't know, you know, I don't know everybody. Mm. She's seen another lady come in and she said, oh, Somali, I got a phone call. Oh, my goodness, I got to go. I said, you got to go. Your hair was what she said. I got to go. She left and she sent me a message. She said, Somalia, that sister is fitna. Be mindful, do her hair and let her go. I can't even. So it's like, wow. You know what I mean? I didn't know, you know, certain things is that serious. Like she didn't even want to be in there. So, you know, I took her advice. This is someone that I trust, you know, their, their, you know, their judgment. I did the sister hair and I, I let her go, you know, because you know, you never want to say, even when, if a sister tells me something so strong, the first thing I do is I go seek, you know, somebody of knowledge at the masjid. And I said, I don't know what to say. The sister, he says, Somalia, welcome to our world at the masjid as the administrators at the masjid. He says, just lead her back to Quran and Sunnah. Just, mm. just continue to lead them back to Quran and Sunnah because you don't want someone to say, Somalia said this. Yeah. Or, you know, you have to, to, to lead them back to Quran and Sunnah. So, you know, alhamdulillah that I've been mindful of that and being a mature woman already, you know, I never had any, you know, nonsense in my establishment. So that's alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So sister, I just want to, I want to go back again, yeah, because I want to ask mm-hmm. you about your name, Natasha Somalia. How did you come to have this name? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, so in 1973, when I was born, um, when my mom went into labor, mm-hmm. my grandmom was coming from Africa and my father had to leave the hospital with my mom to pick up my grandmom. If you knew my grandmom, my dad had to be there to pick her up because <laughs> okay. she had all this stuff because she was just coming back from Africa. Mm-hmm. And so they had these statues back in the day of African women that was very popular back in the 70s. And my dad said, he looked at the the, the statue and just said, Somalia. Uh, my grandma was actually coming from Kenya, visiting mm-hmm. Kenya. And Kenya in the 70s was a very popular name to name your child in the 70s. But my dad wanted to be different. So he named me Somalia. Wow. And um, that's where Somalia came from. And Natasha came from. My mom was a nurse. And at the hospital twins were born one was Natasha and the other one was Latasha and the twin that was Latasha was crying all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> so she called me Natasha so Natasha Somalia is my name wow mashallah what a, what a lovely story <laughs> there really is a story behind everything subhanallah wow. yes alhamdulillah. Yeah. alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so um sister you did mention before that um you know when you work in your salon and you know you're doing your health uh, your natural holistic um products and things like that you have a lot of opportunity to give dawah to you know sisters in the community as well as non-muslims so when sisters ask you about the niqab what kind of things do you advise them if they're interested in wearing it well first of all i let them know that you know you don't have to be married you know to wear it um I let them know that we do live in the laws of the land of the United States. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I tell them the safety precautions. 
if you get stopped and you see the police, you have to lift your niqab. You can't sit there with your niqab down because you have to identify yourself, you know, for identity uh, purposes. Course, Don't yeah. sit there and say, you know, no, I'm not lifting it. That's yeah. you're going to end up getting your butt taken to jail. Um, I like to tell them if you're going to wear it, wear it. Try not to show, you know, some people, they wear the niqab and then they flip it back and it's like you're defeating, you know, the purpose of, you know, co- you know, covering your beauty and keeping your beauty, you know, to yourself. And so, um, you know, and sometimes they, some women, you, you do struggle and you may not want to wear it or whatever. Just know that the law loves you, you know, mm-hmm. if you wear it or if you know what I mean, if you don't wear it. So um, that's, that's pretty much, that's all the advice that I can give, you know, because everyone has to make their own you know, my reason was my reason for wearing it. And I feel better, <laughs> you know, with it. I'm like lost if I don't, you know, if mm-hmm. I don't, uh, if I don't have it, it's just like, I, I can't leave home without it. And I have so many, I have dressy, dressy ones, but I never go anywhere. I have mm-hmm. dressy, dressy, fancy ones. And then I have some that uh, one sister made for me and I like the material, how it ties. And um, that's like a gift that me and my companion, she always brings me a niqab and I love it, you know, so, you know, everybody knows that I love niqabs. I have some two layered niqabs that, you know, um, pre- before COVID, you know, we used to have a lot of, um, uh, what do you call those, lectures and everything yeah. else. So, of course, I wear a screen because, you know, outside the brothers would be outside. So I would wear, you know, screen awesome. during those times. But um now nobody's going you know pretty much going anywhere Mm. but it's just something of having the screen now so if I go in the store I can have on my screen and they they look at you strange because now they can't even see your eyes but it's such a big protection now Mm. and it's just who would have known we we did not know that it would come to this of even the overgarment and even the abaya the overhead we wear that what out that's our outer clothing so when we come in the house we take that off and we still have on our clothing underneath so with all the germs and everything that's going on you you understand what I'm saying it's just so much stigma and so what it is we do Mm -hmm. the women staying in the in the house and letting the men go out so you're not harmed you Mm -hmm. know what I mean all of those things have so much value if we understand and like I said you know I'm over here in this western world where they don't get it you know yeah Yeah, let them go to the market and get this I don't have to be out you know you make your home you know your place of comfort and everything so um the more women study and learn you know I did a lot of reading a lot of studying not something that my husband, something because I wanted to do it. Yeah. And that's what has to happen. The women have to want to seek that knowledge for themselves. You have to want to seek that knowledge for yourself. Yeah, that's what I tell sisters all the time. You can't be depending on your husband for your religion. No. Even though like it's good to, you know, that if you are married, that you do talk about the dean together, you do study together because you want to be kind of you you want to have that encouragement between the spouses, you know. This is something uh-huh. you wanna what you know, you pull and you pull each other along. But right. you can't just it's like putting your eggs all in one basket, basically. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you rely on the husband, because if he if he stops learning something, then you're gonna just right. You want to be you you see how you know I I was married and then I was divorced and mm-hmm. um you know married and again and divorced and I still do the same thing that I was doing yeah, you know because alhamdulillah I came to Islam for the reasons that I did and you know not the man so it didn't stop me or discourage me from even covering some women they cover and they wear the niqab as soon as they get divorced they want everybody to see their face subhanallah that's a discussion that you know that, that we could have as well because like we've talked a little <laughs> bit about that before but uh, not even specifically right. in car, but just even hijab in general even um, hijab in general it yeah. changes yeah and it, it's sad i don't say i just say may allah take us back to it it used to be so different before this whole social media mm-hmm. um and the type of garments and the garments being t- you know tight fitting and yeah. body showing you know it's so many things that have to be learned and um it's 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 like can we get back to the basics on what yeah, it is and why we do what we do Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. so would you on that note would you say that the sisters who wear the niqab get treated differently from sisters who wear the hijab i know you kind of touched on this earlier but in general what's your uh, opinion yes they do get treated different because people don't People think that the sisters who wear niqab is married, so they're not they're not bothering them mm-hmm. at all. They're not going to say nothing to them because they think the niqab means she's married. <laughs> even some Muslims, even some Muslims think that they would never think. You know, and some someone said to me, just like, you know, if you took your niqab off, everybody would know you're not married. I said, well, you know, it, it's they they gotta ask me or you know it's, it's a way you can ask me can I have your Wakil's number excuse me sister are you married you know no disrespect mm-hmm. da, 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 da. you can ask because a lot of people probably really do think that I'm married mm-hmm. and I'm not so um you know yes it is it is a different it is a different treatment because like I said people think that the sisters that wear niqab are married yeah alhamdulillah I think I've, I had that experience as well um, and mm-hmm. like any time I go out with my dad, people think that he's my husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> so mm-hmm. but, but to be honest, like even um, my sister who's non-Muslim, when she doesn't wear like she doesn't wear niqab or anything or even hijab, obviously, when she used to go out with my dad, they used to think that as well because he looks kind of young. So that mm-hmm. was it's just yeah. And things. when I'm out with my companion and we're buying all that food and BJ's, like BJ's mm-hmm. is like a, a wholesale place where okay. they have a lot of food is, is a wholesale place like you buy an applesauce like instead of one jar it's like three jars come in one pack okay so we have big carts yeah so it's the two of us so you know they automatically think because we're together we got all these food mm. that we have all these kids and that's my co-wife or whatever mm. they, the, the, the people have so much going through their heads yeah it's amazing <laughs> isn't it people love to make assumptions upon the love yes Subhanallah. So, sister, have you um, met anybody who's been forced into wearing the niqab? No. Alhamdulillah. I never. No. Alhamdulillah. And um, would you describe the niqab as being a barrier? And if so, in which sense? Um. Yes. Um. A barrier and a protection from. From. I guess I, oh gosh that's a good question like the outside anything on the outside like foreign I, I guess to say I, I think it's like a protection you know 
I look at the whole, you know, the overgarment, the niqab, everything about the way that the Muslim woman, her attire is a protection. You know, and I'll tell you this. And I don't, I don't complain. I just say I'm grateful for whatever Allah sends my way and know that I'm going to have what I'm supposed to have. Alhamdulillah, you know, I have hair care products and you're never able to see my hair. Excuse me. You're never able to see my hair and what the product does to my hair. Mm -hmm. I always have to use someone else as an example. Mm. So I used to feel really bad about that because I said, if they could see my hair and how this product or what this product does to my hair, more people would buy it. I know they would because they could see, you know, the healthiness, the healthiness of my hair. So it was something in the beginning that I did struggle with when I had my product, but I just made do out about it and asked the Lord to just help me along the way. So any chance that I get to show, you know, a non-Muslim hair or whatever and what the product does, I do. But um, it's, it's different for us, but we push through because I made something for covered hair and alhamdulillah, that's, that's my audience. You know what I mean? The Muslima exactly. is my top priority and my top audience first. So, um, you know, too bad. They're just not going to be able to see my... <laughs> alhamdulillah. <laughs> alhamdulillah. It's really interesting as well because it's just like, you know, sometimes when sisters, for example, here have um, salons and things like that they worry about um, or sometimes they feel that they're they feel pressured that they for example like things to do like plucking up the eyebrows and stuff like that is fashion mm -hmm. you know even though it, like it's forbidden it's haram but they they feel mm -hmm. that in order for them to get good business they still have to do it so and and I, I don't not no no coloring of the hair black no extensions no oh, eyebrows no. And these are no, things no, no. that sisters that, you know, that often they, they, they just they just close their eyes and they do it because they believe that's the only way to be successful. But success comes nope. from Allah. From Allah, you know? yes. From Allah. We have to know that. We have to know that. So just and, by being um, a Muslim who is sticking to the Quran and the Sunnah, you mm -hmm. are such an example. You're giving dawah by your whole, yes. by everything that you're doing, basically. Mm -hmm. you know? No. Subhanallah. I've spoken to a couple of sisters as well about um, you know, sisters who've been involved in like the fitness field as well, the personal trainers. And they've mm -hmm. had a similar you know, had they've got similar challenges because like you mentioned with your hair and you know, you can't show your hair to people and use that as an advertisement to draw mm -hmm. customers in you know like especially obviously on social media maybe when you get in mm -hmm. your salon if, if people want to see your hair they could probably see it but not mm -hmm. you know publicly on social media but um and that's mm -hmm. another issue that sisters who wear the niqab that are personal trainers they face the same issue as well but you know because they can't show how their body has changed due to their um right you know their their fitness but, their new fitness regimen and things like that we, and that and, exactly. and in the fitness industry that's a big deal mm -hmm. because it's all about mm -hmm. especially when it comes to women like you know they, everybody wants to see the body the woman's body yeah yeah subhanallah but at the same time there's the market is there for sisters who want to practice the sunnah to cater for exactly. sisters who want to practice the sunnah it just makes it easy and to be honest even some non-muslims they don't want to be kind of they in don't. mixed environments exactly so they can appreciate mm -hmm. it yeah subhanallah alhamdulillah so um sister um 
to end the interview, inshallah, I'll ask you the final question, which is what does the naqab mean to you? My security blanket. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, I really can say that. It's my security blanket. I feel safe, you know. Um, it's my security blanket. Because I think I would feel so naked, you know, mm-hmm. without, you know, even... I, it's my security blanket it, it's, it's protection like I, I really I can't I can't think of anything thing else to say but it's it's my security blanket and my protection alhamdulillah yeah alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah and you do so much wearing it as well and may Allah continue to bless your business and great success and uh, you know I mean uh, alhamdulillah before the interview we did make them um, I did ask you about your your um, Instagram account as well so I just like want to mention that for anybody who's listening please follow sister Natasha on her Instagram show her some support because her Instagram account was actually hacked and that's something that's been happening to quite a lot of sisters recently uh, well to a lot of accounts in general so if we can show as much support to sister and Natasha as much as possible by you know following her account inshallah and she's got so many beneficial um tips and I mean even if you're not in the US I, I'm I'm not in the US but I alhamdulillah really enjoy the content that she shares on her Instagram mashallah alhamdulillah so inshallah if you're listening please follow her we're going to have all her links to the different um her social media platforms in the description inshallah so check them out sister thank you so much for joining us anyway alhamdulillah and have a good rest of your day or evening inshallah inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh alhamdulillah